Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Manor Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host, Ali, and joining me, I say as always, but back from the dead from last week, we have Daniel Regan and the, the always present, Mr Dave Black. How are we, gentlemen? Very well, thank you. A lot better after uh, yesterday's results, I can tell you. Yeah, after that, I'm pretty sure me and Dave were both almost certain that it was almost another ghost of Simon going to be down with us this week. <laughs> Yeah, I was expecting some headlines from Manchester around, around the lines of Birmingham, Birmingham man arrested for indecent exposure, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, rather rather an uncomfortable picture and, and comment to go with it um, appeared late last night. Um, we'll, leave, <laughs> we'll leave that at that one first. <laughs> um, quite a fun weekend of football chaps. Um, but before we get on, we will return to normality and we will get back to Dave versus Simon Quiz. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no controversy this week. We're going to do things properly. We're back to the pen and paper, boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Simon, since you have returned, I will let you choose first or second. Uh, I'll go first. Right. So your first question. Brazil beat which country 2-0 in the 2002 World Cup final? Germany. Old Simon. Dave, question number one for you. Which English football club was previously known as both Excelsior and New Brompton? Excelsior. Sounds like a Harry Potter. Sounds amazing. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, let's see. Let's say it was something ridiculous like Arsenal, but I don't know. The answer is Gillingham. Right, well. There it's, you go. It's an education at the same time. It is. I could have gone through most of the, of the 92 day clubs and, and not guessed Gillingham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Simon, question number two. Which English midfielder won 30 caps for his country, scoring seven goals? His injury record earned him the name Sicknote, nickname Sicknote. I believe that would be Darren Anderson. Oh, he's on fire. Uh, Dave, you might have make the easiest one of the night. The Hawthorns is home to which English football club? Uh, West Brom. Well done. <laughs> Simon. Born in Glasgow in 1962. Which midfielder won 73 caps for the Republic of Ireland, whilst playing for Oxford, Liverpool, Aston Villa and Crystal Palace? Would that be Ray Halton? (laughs) 
You might be struggling in this one. Good answer, yeah. Mm. Which Liverpool defender, Dave, won the PFA Player of the Year award in 2018-19? Oh, it's got to be Van Dijk, surely. Indeed it is. I think Joe Maddock was getting that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't play enough games to qualify for him. <laughs> um, he possibly could have got the signal question. That was about, that was about it. Uh, Simon, number four for yourself. Which English defender became the first to move between two English clubs for over thirty million in two thousand and two? Rio Ferdinand. Indeed, indeed. And Dave, number four for yourself, which is a a must must score, Dave. Mm. Which German striker was known as Der Bomber? Der Bomber. Oh, like the German. Um, I was <laughs> thinking, like, I mean, it's um, uh, Gerd Muller. It is indeed. And Simon, last question. To win it for yourself. Jamie Carragher made his first team debut for Liverpool under which manager? Oh. Gerard Tullier? Just before. Roy Ah, you get. <laughs> I've fallen up the last hurdle. Yeah. He's, he's bottled it. He's bottled it. And Dave, number five for yourself. Four Manchester United players have won the European Footballer of the Year. Can you name three of the four? And I'll give you four guesses. So you're allowed one wrong. Uh. So they've got to be playing for Man United when they when they won it, or is it just? Yes, played for Man United. No, like are they like, at Man United when they yeah, won it? Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Um, well, it'll be Ronaldo. Yep. Um, probably Bobby Charlton because why not? Yeah. And I don't know Dennis Law or George Best. So let's say that's four. Oh, All right. Okay. <laughs> Well done. Well done. Uh, Thanks. Salvage the draw. Right. So, sudden death. (laughs) Can can I I just take a point, please? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, this one's open to both of you. So, a couple of episodes ago, we had the largest football stadium question, which we (sighs) definitely believe (laughs) is up. Can you tell me the capacity? Uh, yes, first, since you went first. Is it it's like 133,000? Uh, Dave, your guess? Um, I remember we laughed at this afterwards, and it was like something like 115,000. Almost on the nose, 114,000. Well done. Well, it's a, I mean, it's a hollow victory because we, I, mean, I remember looking it up. But we, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all, it all counts. Either attention, you took it forward to a future episode. That's what I love. Well, Dave ran away with that. Well, I didn't run away, but the great comeback after Simon. Not very good luck with penalties this week. World Cup ties for you, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get on with the football anyway. Um, well, we had two early kickoffs. One moved because of a 
because of a concert in Manchester, which is a uh, madness. But anyway, Simon, although yours technically wasn't the first first gig off, let's just go with yours since you were it's your team. Um, a one 0 away went to Man United. It's unheard of, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I remember um, after the second game against them um, at Villa Park last season, coming on this podcast with you guys and saying, I don't even want to bother doing a review from when Villa played Man U next season because we all know what will happen. And it just didn't. I mean, I say, I was saying uh, before we started recording, I was in Manchester yesterday. Uh, watching the the other twelve thirty kickoff game in a bar and getting the updates on my phone and as we kind of the first half went on and sort of looking not like reading the long and we could have been two two nil up at half time. I mean Matt Target missed an absolute sitter. Ollie Watkins missed a really good chance presented by De Gea and United had a de- probably a lot more of the possession than us. But over then, I think it was a couple of headers from set pieces, one from Maguire and one from Pogba, which he really should have scored from. They didn't really create too much, and Villa had the better chances throughout the game. Um, I mean, I, I think we've all kind of said about United over the last year or so that we don't think they've ever really played particularly well, and it just it didn't happen again yesterday. I, I think the formation we're playing at the moment with two up front of Ings and Watkins, it allows us to play so much higher up the pitch because then two are re- they lead the press for the team so well. Um, the midfield three of McGinn, Louise and Ramsey, they'll start the last three games in the road together now and they're looking good. I mean, the, the Chelsea game of the week, I thought we played quite well in it. 3-0, I think, flat at Chelsea. We played well against Everton last week and then, again, they, they've done well today and... From set pieces as well, we we hired the set piece coach in the summer, which the great football genius mind of Danny Murphy scoffed at on match of the day of the week, saying, "I don't understand why clubs are bringing set piece coaches in." Well, I think we've now got five goals from set pieces this season, so maybe that that will answer Danny's question for him. Um, and then obviously, you know, get one nil up with a, a late goal, Oli Gunnarsson. Pathetically tried to claim that he should have been disallowed. I mean, I, I think the gall of a Man United manager complaining about decisions going against them, especially some of the penalties they've had against us in recent years. I remember a couple of years ago, Bruno Fernandes stamping on Conza's foot and getting a penalty for it. <laughs> so I, I don't have too much sympathy for Ollie. And then I was get the one, go one and up in the 88th minute. I lost my composure in the bath that I was watching it in. I'm not going to lie, there was, there was a few strange looks coming across the room. But I was still not convinced because Man United haven't had the penalty all season. Mike Dean was in charge and it was against Villa. And I thought they're going to get a penalty. And lo and behold, they did. The award of the penalty itself is kind of one of those that you'd want it to go for your team. Because it clearly does strike his, his arm. My argument would be his arm is down by his side, not sure what much he can really do as Cavani had got the flick on you know, a couple of yards in front of him, but that's by the by. He goes through it and you're thinking, well, obviously Ronaldo's going to have it. And I'd say the, the one time Ronaldo's decided not to be selfish and to be a good teammate, 
and let his uh, let let the designated penalty taker have it. I'm, I'm sure he won't be doing that. I mean the uh, the gig that I was at later on that evening was at the cricket grounds, which you obviously buy the, the football ground, and I was sure I saw the ball come down eventually and land on the <laughs> and land on a member of the crowd because it was a horrific penalty. And I've got to say, Emilio Martinez. Some great shit First of all, demanding Ronaldo takes the penalty, and then after he'd missed it, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the little <laughs> dance he gives to the United fans. I mean, that alone, you know, that that even if, if that that should just give us a, a bonus point, I think, for just getting into their heads. So, um, I mean, I'm absolutely buzzing. Villa just don't beat Manu, and they've gone and done it. You know, we've. I think I said in the preview show that we did um, at the start of the season about Villa that I think the overall look of our squad is so much stronger than I can remember for some, for, for for quite a while, and I'm I'm quite excited about this season. Like that, I think we've got ourselves a, a pretty decent squad that that can possibly challenge for a top six, top seven spot if if people, you know, if you, if you get lucky with injuries and don't have any anything too majorly going wrong. So, a very, very happy chappy. Yeah, no wonder. Um, Dave, Simon's obviously going naturally going to be biased in this game anyway, but Aston Villa really well. Good for the win here, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, thoroughly deserved. Um, I think Man United kind of gave out the performance we, we feared may happen with the kind of team they've assembled where there's not an awful lot of you know, of a plan there. There's a lot of good individuals, but there's no, you know, what is their style of play? I, I, I really don't know. Other than get it to Ronaldo, and he had a very quiet game yesterday by his standards. So, obviously, it's funny. Um, yeah. it'll, it'll probably never not be funny. Uh, and also pleasing to see the Man United fans who were telling me to respect Steve Bruce last week, calling for Solskjaer's head. So, all in all, in all a good day all round. Yeah, it was. It was um, the, the the Villa podcast for anybody listening. Once you've listened to us, please go and check it out. It may be the greatest football podcast out there. Um, you don't even need to be a Villa fan to enjoy it. It's just they they boys just laid into social for about ten minutes. It was hysterical. Um, you saw it these days, as you say, Dave. There's there is no plan. It's just like world. They do have a lot of world class or top class, whatever, whatever level you want to. Highlight these players, are, and and that is it. They, they rely on players being good. There's no tactics. There's no there's no style of play. That like they may have the 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 second most expensive assembled squad in the history of football, and they're relying on counter attacks against Aston Villa. No disrespect, Simon, but when you spend that much money, you know it should be dictating the game, and Aston Villa should be the counter attacking team. You know, relying on like scraps almost. It's just, I think I gave Dean Smith a bit of a hard time last week about, I think he might be their their weak link now, well, aside from Tyron Mings. Um, but the last few weeks, he's got his tactics spot on and he's looking much more progressive than he was last year. And I, I, I firmly believe you're a far, far better team without Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish was a wonderful player, but you're now a team not, a team based around one player. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, they, they kind of sort of link in those, those two points there about, because I mean, Dean Smith, I think last season, there was, uh, amongst Villa fans, there was a legitimate criticism that he was kind of 
reactionary rather than being proactive in terms of substitutions in the game. And uh, he was very wedged to the, the system of a 4-3-3 or maybe a slight variation to a 4-2-3-1. And I think a lot of that was was because, obviously, we had such a uniquely talented player in Greenish that you would naturally you would naturally tailor your team around him at, at a club like Villa. And like, I think it's kind of, I was uh, listening to um, a, a different bit of podcast earlier. They, they made like quite a good point that obviously he's, you can't sit as a Villa fan and say losing Jack Greenish is a good thing because he's, he's a top player. You never want to lose top players. But I think there kind of is something to be said that we, they, they look more of a, a well-rounded team rather than like a, a good team that are just solely focused on putting everything through one player. It's, I think, given a few other players a bit more responsibility, like someone like Jacob Ramsey yeah. has really, really blossomed at the start of the season. And I think it's, it's because he's maybe got a bit more freedom to express himself and play his own natural game. John McGinn looks really, really good this season. Without uh, having a player like Greenish, it's allowed us to play two up front with Watkins and Ings. There's no way we, you could have done that and then had Greenish as one of those three midfielders. You, you know, McGinn, Louise and Ramsey are better balancing that. So it's like I kind of said, yeah, it's, the overall balance of the squad is actually... In a weird way, it's better without him being in there, even though you you would never want to lose a top player like that. But in the long run, it, it, it may just work out better for us. Like when Liverpool sold Coutinho at the time they did. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the, the, it's, it, it's far better to have quality spread around the squad than, than good players with one great player. It's, yeah. We've now got like, you know, good to great players almost in the front six positions. Um and then Konza, um and even Cotton House, obviously, is, is would that be a fourth-choice centre-back normally? You know, that's a great level to have. Both your full-backs flourish in this formation. And you, you may have the best keeper in the league at, at this point, um, certainly form-wise. Um, we'll move on to the, the, the other early kick-off, Dave. Um, Man City won Chelsea nil. Um, we were just talking about last week who can beat Chelsea. Um, <laughs> This was an absolute fortitude display from Chelsea. Um, they just didn't lack any sort of imagination at all in this. Yeah, it was obviously tried to replicate what they did in the Champions League final and just try and play on the break, but um, City just didn't let them do it. They were they were they were excellent um, and should really would buy more to be quite honest with you. But um, they eventually got their goal through uh, through Jesus. But um, yeah, they could have had two or three, if not more, really, on the day. And Chelsea offered very little. They kind of came out of the shells a bit once they went 1-0 down, but other than the disallowed goal, it never really put loads of pressure on uh, on the Man City goal. So um, thoroughly deserved for, for Man City. And again, we were kind of questioning Pep and some of the decisions he's made recently, but um, he got everything spot on yesterday. And really remind us all that Man City is still going to take some, some stopping as well uh, in this this title race. Yeah, I'm I'm a, a massive fan of complaining about how bad Jesus is, but that's a goal and assist every 107 Premier League minutes, which is it's not bad going. Um, I mean, boosted by obviously being in that City team, obviously, but 
it's still an impressive record. Oh, it's it's incredible, really, when you put it like that. But it's a, it's odd because he, he he doesn't seem like he's ever going to be, um, you know, the, the out and out number nine. I've been playing him wide, which he seems to be enjoying. It seems to have taken the pressure off him a little bit in a strange kind of way. Um, it's it's a very pep kind of move, isn't it? I can't, I can't imagine you know if Guardiola left tomorrow, whoever took over probably wouldn't continue playing him on the wing. <laughs> Just put square, peg, <laughs> square pegs and square holes, or or you want to phrase it. But um, I don't know. It's, it works for them. Um, pep will say he's made him better. He's got a goal and assist every 107 minutes, so. Who we'd argue? Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Simon, you said you were watching this game, obviously. Uh, I mean, did you, did you see anything from Chelsea at all that got you any hopes that they were going to get anything at this game? No, it was um, like you said, just really poor display from Chelsea, and you kind of don't know how much of it do you do you say that they just didn't play well, or do you have to just say off to Man City and just say that they were so good that they just didn't allow Chelsea to do anything? But um, yeah, it was really disappointing. I'm not sure if the formation was necessarily the right way to go. I don't, I don't remember them tending to play two up top that often, so I thought that that was an, it's an interesting game to, to choose to experiment with a formation like that against you know, arguably the best team in the league. So uh, I thought it was a really odd, really odd display from them. And you would, um, I, I don't know how you'd feel about it. Because I, I think the title race this season, I mean, I suppose you, you kind of can't discount Man U because of some of the players they've got. But I think with their manager, you kind of do have to pull them out of it. So then if you look at Chelsea, City and Liverpool, from the, what we've seen so far, I, I think it'll be fairly tight between them. So these games against each other, they could end up being title deciders, you know, come the end of the season. So I think they'll and they'll be really, really disappointed with themselves. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's more a just a, a wee bump um, early enough for them to come over. But I think yeah, I think they'll be disappointed in themselves because it was a a real chance in the form they'd been in to almost lay down a, a marker and and I, and I feel like, I mean you mentioned it last week Simon that Man City have, you know obviously started the last season as well but they definitely looked weak and could have been could have been seen as vulnerable and Chelsea really could have stamped a marks on this game um, and kind of put like a, a bigger gap in between them but yeah just disappointing but again as like both said like we have to give Pep and City a lot of praise here they were they were at it from from minute one and and as you said, they probably could have won by a couple more. I can't really remember even a chance. Uh, I remember Werner kind of cutting inside and having like a, a little half chance. But apart from that, it was fairly quiet. Um, we'll come on to the three o'clock games and we'll just we'll, we'll come straight to your team then, Dave. Um, a 1-1 draw with Watford. Um, how was it? <laughs> we actually played quite well and really should have won, you know. Three or four times over, we, we missed so many chances, and not even like half chances. Like, um, we essentially missed an open goal and a couple of one-on-ones, and really disappointing finishing. Um, I mean, the goal we did get was good. It was a good hit from Longstaff in the of the box, but um, I don't know if you've seen the highlights of this, but it was... Um, there's one where just before half time Watford play a hopeless back pass and Maxman runs through one on one. 
Frosted as well, kind of, does that sort of slow him down, but he squares it to Longstaff and manages to put it over the bar, which is not great. Um, and other than the numerous other chances we made, in injury time, Watford stupidly commit everybody forward, we break on them. Murphy runs through against 38-year-old Ben Foster. And logically, you would just go around him and put it in the net, but for some reason he tries to chip a man who's standing up and it just hits him on the arm and it's like, <laughs> what's wrong with you? So... We've missed an opportunity to get three points. Um, a draw doesn't really do us any, any favours right now. We're um, playing <laughs> playing an awful lot of average teams. We haven't beaten any of them yet. Um, obviously, Man United is the game you wouldn't expect to win. We obviously trounced there. So um, it's all very well saying, well, you know, three draws and three losses in six games, but those games we've played, we're going to have a lot harder games to come. Um, and these, this is the time of season where I was expecting to pick up some points um, before having our usual terrible winter. But um, at this rate, we're going to be we're going to be down there with Norwich, um, unless we can find some wins quickly. I suppose you'd say on the on the positive side, I'd say we made lots of chances. Um, on another day, we'd have won, but without Wilson, no one's there to take the chances, and, and Sam Maxman can't do it all by himself, despite trying pretty hard to do just that so um, we've got Wolves away next week and Wolves don't look any great shakes whatsoever I know they, they won today which will obviously come on to later on but um, it's going to be a very similar game I think where we are very capable of winning but unless we start taking our chances we're not going to win anything Yeah I think that's the the key point Simon as well isn't it Dave makes it some of the teams that Newcastle have played you kind of hope to, to sneak, you know, one or two wins at least. Yeah, I mean, just like Dave's sort of already said, that, that game yesterday, they, they really should have been out of sight at half-time. And you kind of, if you can't win the games against those teams around you when you have played well. You, yeah, you, you can start to get worried. But I mean, that, that, that Murphy chance at the end, I mean, like you said, I... I, I can't really work out what, why why on earth you wouldn't just just pop it you know take it round him. I know that's easy for, for us to say sound the side for here, but you know he really should be finishing that off quite. The, the one finish you don't try and do there, like you said, is chip a giant. He's already standing up and <laughs> and like and it was such a such an awful attempt. But like, is is Murphy? Is he is he like a wing back? Yeah, I mean, he's a winger. We've been playing at wing-back, but um, he, he, to be honest, generally he's scored a handful of decent goals for us in the last year or so. Um, yeah. I, I would have backed him to score, to be quite honest with you, but just... It, it was, uh, I think Longstaff um, on Match of the Day said that he was he was the best finisher at the club, which I don't mm. know if... I don't know what Callum Wilson would, would make of that statement, but uh, I thought that was an interesting... Interesting thing to have said there. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think he's the best finisher at the club, but like I say, I, I would have backed him to score. He's, um, he's chipped in with a few goals, um, yeah. but oh, I mean, that was just awful. <laughs> I think he would have, even if Foster hadn't been in the way, it would have gone wide. He's, he'd got it really badly wrong. Um, but just a really, really ambitious way of trying to score a goal in the 94th minute. Like, <laughs> Just, just have a shot. <laughs> but I'd, I'd imagine, like from 
from your like Newcastle fan perspective, a game like that yesterday, like when when you see how you performed in terms of creating having so many chances, God knows how you must be tearing your hair out. Then when you look at say when you played Southampton a few weeks ago and you think, well, why haven't we tried playing like that when we're at home against all these teams around us? And just every now and again. Like even last season, you know, it was very rarely. But every now and again, they put in a really like a half decent performance, or you know, a fairly decent performance going forward, and actually having a go at teams. You just sort of think, well, if you're gonna lose or you know draw, at least do it having a go rather than do it being sitting in the back and playing shit. Like you, you must be so frustrating. Oh yeah, I mean that's kind of been Bruce's career in a nutshell, is it? He wins every now and again, which kind of gets the pressure off his back. And uh, obviously, yesterday should have been that, that game, which it's annoying as well because you can't really blame the manager yesterday because we made enough chances to win two games, really. And uh, <laughs> as much as I'd love to, like it's not it's not Bruce's fault that we haven't taken them. Um, obviously, you know we can blame him for having three points and possibly a team so far this season. But, <laughs> um, it's just it is frustrating, as you say, and we've got. I think we changed the system again yesterday. We went with four, which um, probably suits us more. Um, but the problem with that is that it ends up with he plays like Joe Linton wide on the left and Sam Maxman through the middle, which is fine. But when Wilson's back, Wilson's not going to play a lot on the left, so I, I don't know what he'll do there. Um, obviously, I'd rather we didn't play Joe Linton at all, but that doesn't seem to be an option. So. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's uh, it's just a mess, and uh, it's gotten the point now. Where, I mean, if we don't beat Wolves next week, it's going to be you know in the national break where we still haven't won. We come back after the national break and play Tottenham at home. Um, it's not not particularly easy, and then we're off to Palace and we're home to Chelsea, and you kind of think, well, when are we going to win? I mean, Brentford at home on November the twentieth. They look fairly decent. Yeah. Brighton away, Arsenal away, no, I don't think so. That's December. December the first play Norwich at home. Maybe that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Happy <Yeah>. Christmas. <laughs> the longer it goes, eh, the more nervy it gets and obviously the more the media attention. Then it gets into the players' heads and yeah, that's you don't just want that one off the back and and you can see where you go from there. Yeah, that's it. I mean it had this been you know, second or third game of the season, you said, well, that's you know, that's okay, we can build on that, and shows we can make chances, but kind of at the point now where we need to be winning a game from somewhere, and four points in this game and Wolves away next week w- would be fine, um, but now we've got to go and beat Wolves to to achieve that, and it's, I wouldn't back this to anybody at the minute, so I'm, uh, I'm already quite nervous, but at least we're not Norwich, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, positives and all that. Um, but we'll we'll use that as the the, the segue, and we'll we'll go to the Norwich game um, and a a two 0 home win for Everton. Um, Simon, I'll come to you on this one. I mean, you you obviously just beat Everton last week and and fairly comfortably as well. Um, and then Everton going to take a a two 0 win. Norwich, although I think everybody will beat Norwich this season at least once. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh I'm sure if, if Everton could have handpicked a fixture to to face after losing to us and then going out to QPR in the week in the cup, you know, Norwich at home is that's the game you want, isn't it? I mean, they 
I think it's been, I've only really seen the highlights um, from Match of the Day on it last night, but to be honest, I've just seen the scoreline. You don't need to see the highlights. You, you just know that Norwich, they just can't defend, can they? I, I mean, I think I think we all are fairly confident that they're going to go down and I don't think it's going to be pleasant for them. Um, it's kind of, they're, they're a weird one, Norwich. You, you sort of think, if you're a fan of theirs, you'd almost be a bit annoyed that they bothered winning the championship last season. <laughs> what is the point? I mean, don't... Six games, six defeats. I can't think they, they've had like, obviously a couple of tricky tricky games in there. You know, the Liverpool first game, then I think it was Man City was it after that. But they, they, just, they don't even look like they're putting up any sort of fights. And you kind of, if you're Norwich fan, you'd be thinking, what, what is the point in, in the rest of this season? But you, you honestly, you, you sort of struggle to see where they'll get a point from. Yeah, Dave, it's, it's it's looking very bleak for them, isn't it? Yeah, we said this last week. Didn't we? Norwich don't really have an excuse this time because they've spent a fair amount of money on what look like decent players. Um, yeah. But Fargo isn't getting a tune out of them and they don't look <laughs> equipped to stay up. Um, now, some of those players may take a little bit of time to bed in. It's, that's fair enough, but they are barely even laying a glove on the teams they're playing against and the alarm bells were probably ringing last week after losing at home to fellow promotion side of Watford, but we're playing an Everton team here who, as we know, are missing their two strikers. Um, they've got a, a Rondon who's barely fit. You know, he's had no pre-season as such and doesn't seem totally on the pace yet. And again, um, Norwich got nowhere near them. Uh, and obviously, you know, all right, they only lost 2-0 and they had the odd flash at one at one nil, which might have got the back in the game, but nothing sustained, nothing, uh, nothing really to get excited about, and I'd be very, very surprised if Norwich still. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, it's more about the. There's always one team now battling on that the record, the record points for him going down with. Um, next up, we'll come to the boss man's Leeds United with another defeat. Um, this time at home to West Ham. We, I think every week we we'll, we'll praise West Ham and, and the job David Moyes does. Um, so the, the result overall is no big surprise, Dave. But a bit like what we said about yourselves, it's just that there's still no win for Leeds again, and it's just you don't even really see one coming. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of a kick in the teeth them yesterday losing in the manner they lost, but. Probably, probably deserves on the on the on the balance of player. Leeds, you know, so reliant on Rafinha in the same way we're reliant on Saint Maxman. If anything long term happened to him, I you know dread to think how they get on. I know they're, they're missing the usual array of centre backs, and Bamford missed his game yesterday, and it, it obviously isn't isn't good for them. But um, they uh, they've got to be a little bit concerned. I know Leeds are generally you know, in BLS we trust and they'll be fine, I'm sure they will be, but um they have got a bit of a soft centre all of a sudden, haven't haven't gone through um a good spell last season when they when they first came up and never really looked like going down. This is the worst situation they've been in, I think, since they came back to the Premier League and they've got a huge game of Watford next weekend, which seems to be as important as our game of Wolves really in terms of you know it's a six pointer already. Yeah, I mean, I said last week, Simon, I don't know if you, if you heard when you were um, AWOL, 
But they don't look the same leads, you know, the intensity's not there. They're they're almost letting teams dictate the play, whereas obviously even when Leeds lost last year, they were still dictating a lot of the play with the pressure and the pace of play and I don't know, it's 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 almost like there's a different manager. You know, it doesn't seem Bielsa esque or what we've come to to see from Bielsa anyway. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I mean it's it is a bit of a it's a weird one what's going on there and you, you kind of you be kind of maybe getting slightly concerned. I know it's still early, like it's still very early days, but there, there must be some sort of concerns because I think that, is this now the longest that Bielsa has ever stayed at, at one club? Um, so you know that's sort of new territory for him. I kind of you, you, you just sort of watch it. I think I said a, a couple of weeks ago that that at what stage does the arguments of all. Oh, but it's entertaining. At what stage does that argument sort of start sounding a bit hollow? Um, you know, you, you look at that game yesterday, you know, 1-0 up, and yeah, OK, you, you want to play entertaining football, but you haven't won a game yet. You, you know, just just be a bit smarter and see the game out. And certainly once they equalise, don't go in the 90th minute leaving yourself 2-on-2 two two, uh, on a counter-attack with one of them players... Mikel Antonio is one of the, you know, the most informed strikers in, in the league so far this season. It's, it's just really naive and you're right that they just don't look like they've got that same sort of energy. And um, just looking at their next four fixtures, they've got Watford, Southampton, Wolves and Norwich in the league. And I think if they, if they don't come out of those four games with with you know probably two wins... Then you start, you know, you're getting yourself into November. Then, if you're still in around that, but by that stage, you're in some sort of relegation battles. I don't, as well as as good a coach as Bielsa clearly is. Other than Rafinha, there's not, they're not like the greatest bunch of players. There's some decent players there, but he last season, I think, he, Bielsa got them playing above what they actually were. And that's just not happening this season. And, you know, I, th- I think there's some slight concerns there. Yeah, there's, I, I do fear they're relying on the, the three worst teams in them in the league. Um, and I definitely believe there is. But at the moment, they're picking up points. Um, and, and Lee's are And a bit like we said about Newcastle, the, the longer it goes on and the international breaks, that's when those doubts and the negative and the murmurs all start. You know, drifting in, and it, and it might become a concern. Um, well, next up we have Leicester two, Burnley two. Um, I haven't seen any of this, but looking at the the stats and the results, it looks a hell of a game. Jamie Vardy with three goals in <laughs> one game, <laughs> um, and Burnley with a goal disallowed in the the ninety fourth minute. Yeah, Simon, I mean, what was the goal disallowed for, and, and was it a draw for a result? Uh, the goals disallowed for offside. Um, it, he was. It, it was a. It was tight, but but his his foot was offside. So uh, he's, there's nothing you can really. There's no real complaints. And to be fair, I don't think Sean Dyche afterwards really moaned about it. He just sort of said, you know, that that's what what the law is. It is what it is. Um, the game itself, from the highlights, I saw it. I saw it. It did look quite entertaining. Um, Vardy, three lovely finishes. Obviously, only two of them were ones that that he'd be happy with. And I mean, and his two goals were really, really well taken. The classic Jamie Vardy goals, to be honest, the little ball in 
behind the defence and him latching onto it. And Burnley, Burnley did all right actually. I thought, I thought they, they, they created some some decent chances in the first half. The uh, the new feather that they signed from France scored a lovely goal as well to uh, open his account for the club. But Leicester, they just, um, I think they're they're still missing some players at the back, which I think is just causing them problems. And not they're not looking. Neither they've looked quite at it so far this season. It's been been a bit of a slow one, despite Vardy still, you know, showing himself to be evergreen and and still managing to get some nice goals. But I thought it was, it was quite an entertaining game, to be honest. I think Burnley probably be a bit annoyed with themselves that they didn't hold on for the win. You know, it was five minutes ago when Vardy got the equaliser, so there's a bit of a missed opportunity for them. I thought. Yeah, Dave, every time we think Vardy's coming to an end, he seems to get a new lease of life. Yeah, he's, um, he's pretty much carrying last of the season, as I said. Um, they, uh, they miss Johnny Evans so much when he's not playing. Uh, I remember we played them last back end last season and he got injured in the warm-up and we, even we ran right against them. Like, <laughs> when he's not there, Sonshu looks like a total donkey. Um, best of God, I, I like, but I think... It's quite similar to Soyuncu in terms of they're both quite, you know, gangly and not necessarily, you know, they need a, an organised head alongside them. So um, I think if he gets fit and fighting and playing again, that that'll be tremendously helpful for them. But right now they, they're 13th <laughs> and uh, it's not been the greatest start, has it? No, definitely not. I think the, the point on Evans is so true. Like he's he's just an organiser and he's the leader. And, the, the, anyone else who seems to be playing there just like, it's like a headless chicken you know they're not bad defenders but you just don't know where to be what to do um, <laughs> uh, Evans has probably been probably underrated for the majority of his career um, he is a, a very good defender a very good leader but so last up on the Saturday um was Brentford 3, Liverpool 3. A bit of a boring game this, Dave. <laughs> well, I mean, this guy's had everything, didn't it? Um, I mean, did you say this, Ali, before we go in on this? Or you, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, obviously, being your team, I'll, I'll let you do the harsh analysis. But as a, as a game of football, um, you know, really good. Nice to see a promoted team who um, just, just went for it. <laughs> yeah, you know, they didn't leave anything to chance. They just... Played their game from the from the opening minutes and all right, some of it was quite direct. But why wouldn't you if you've got yeah. you know Ivan Ivan Tony and and Embuemo up there, great targets. Um, and the, the, it could have been a six six, honestly. Like yeah. it um it was such a good game. Uh, really enjoyed watching it. Uh, I do think that um, Liverpool missed some chances you wouldn't normally miss. I think it was a three two when Salah put one over from. Yeah. Eight yards, which inexplicable, really. You know, the type of goal he scored. Well, I quite literally hundreds of now for Liverpool. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, Brentford just wouldn't lie down. And I thought, other than Van Dijk, defensively, Liverpool were an absolute shambles. I thought Van Dijk was having to do the work of four men on occasions. Yeah. Um, but I think they made the point of match the day that um, if you look at the two fullbacks, they had absolutely no help <laughs> yesterday. Um, whereas normally, you know, Henderson or Andor Fabinho would have been more prominent defensively than they were yesterday. 
for whatever reason, whether it's because it was more direct and they didn't have the chance to get back into shape or something, I don't know. But um, as I said, not a, not a good day defensively for Liverpool. But um, somehow, top of the league, despite that draw. <laughs> um, right, first off, let me praise Brentford because they are more than deserving of the point. They, they, as bad as we were defensively, as, as you pointed out, they, they were... They were on it from start to finish. The first 20, 25 minutes, maybe, they were relentless. They just didn't get... Every time the player got the ball, there seemed to be two players, you know, closing them down, so it had to be like a quick pass away. Um, yeah, fair, fair play. And Ivan Tony is an absolute monster. He just... He just flat-tracked, bullied anyone he went near. Um, on to ourselves. I think I've complained the last two weeks now, maybe three... That Robertson playing, um, and I, I will carry on to this. There's, there is absolutely no reason why Costas Simicus isn't starting just now. Um, by far the most informed player, uh, defender, who's not named Van Dyke that we have. As you say, Van Dyke kind of carried the team. I'm sure Matip was actually drunk <laughs> this game. He was just, he was all over the shop. Um, Henderson was, was atrocious. Uh, Fabinho was like a one man midfield due to the fact that we actually have no midfielders. Um, and Manny is just, I don't know what's happened. Again, I'll take it back. I think I said it on here maybe two or three weeks ago. He, he's he's been space jammed. It's like somebody's too call his talent off him. And he just doesn't know what to do. It's it's so bad. Um, I mean, the, the biggest thing is well, the chances are still there, as you said, Dave. The the Salah one is, is inexcusable. And I think it's Jota as well. The, oh, the, the rebound. Don't get me wrong, it's a world-class save. But he shouldn't be allowed to even make the save. Does that mean? Hmm. Like, that's, that's inexcusable. That's just... Fair play to the keeper again. We're getting there. But it's a bit like the Shevchenko won the 2005 Champions League final. You know, Dudek gets all this credit. But, but you shouldn't be allowed <laughs> to, to make it. But again, look, I'll take it back before I let Simon talk in the game. Like, Brentford more than deserved the three points there but Liverpool and Klopp really need to have a hard look at themselves because with the result that had went on earlier on in the day and obviously the way the results had been for City the week before there was a a space to make a little gap for themselves there and like they always seem to do when teams drop points Liverpool tend to do the same Um, I mean Simon have you just seen the match of the day highlights since you you were out or did you manage to see much more of us. Uh, no, yeah, just the match of the day highlights for me. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I think you guys have sort of covered it pretty well, especially from the Liverpool point of view. But just well on, on Brentford, I mean, like you said, they, they from what I've seen, what I've seen uh, the game yesterday, they were thoroughly deserving of a point. And I've, I've been quite quite impressed with them this season, actually. I, I think they've, they've had the, a really good start to the season, which I, I kind of... I, mean, I didn't expect them necessarily to have maybe taken four points from games against yourselves in Arsenal. Like on paper, you, you wouldn't think that would happen. But I'm kind of not overly surprised that they look reasonably comfortable at this level because I think they really they should have probably been in the Premiership a couple of years ago. It's only through complete bottle job performances on the last day of like two seasons in a row. That, that they weren't up there anyway. I think they, they're really, really well, well run football club and have been for quite a while. 
and I, I think the setup, to say over the last three or four years, they were set up to, to be in the Premier League, and I suppose maybe it's quite nice that with the new stadium, with fans back in it, that they have it's only this season that they're in the Premier League with, with all that, and um, I I don't see them I don't see them having any sort of struggle. I don't think they're necessarily going to you know, finish anywhere around the top ten or something, but I, I think they they could quite comfortably finish what, 13th, 14th, 15th, but, but be very comfortable in those positions coming into the season? Yeah, I don't think they'll be... I can see this being a comfortable, like, 9th, 10th, 11th finish for them. Um, if they were to keep going, I mean, the hard thing is, obviously, we're, we've only seen a small sample. Um, and when I watched them in the Championship, they weren't... I didn't, I didn't feel they played this style of play, but maybe because, obviously, they're playing lesser opponents as such and they were the better team and expected to win those games but I thought it would be a little bit more of a struggle I thought they would stay up just I think I had them to stay yeah I've got them staying up and I've got them in 13 so I think they'll be even higher because I, I do have Leeds in 11 so that says oh um, <laughs> but they're ninth now it wouldn't surprise me if they stay around that mark you know that 9, 10, 11 I think is Brentford's role um, I mean Dave you had them in where do you have them? You had them in 17th. Mm. Do you see them still finishing around there? Or, do you, or what you think so far? Do you think they'll be comfortably higher? No, from what I've seen so far, they'll be, they'll be comfortably higher. Like, as you say, it's, it's, it's early days for, for a newly promoted club and you've got to think that as the season goes on, teams will, will figure them out and, and find ways to play against them. But it doesn't necessarily mean they'll be successful at it because, as we said, it's quite hard to stop. As you say, Tony, he's... Uh, gone up against arguably the best centre-back in the world, if not Europe, um, and given him a hell of a game. Like, it's, it, I don't think they're as conventional as sometimes they've come up, and it's, it's going to take some, some figuring out how to get the better of them. Um, the one thing I would say is, though, that you know, they, they didn't win the championship, um, so you know, teams obviously were able to play against them last season. Um whether it's just a crest or wave or not, I guess we'll find out. But they're not going to go down. They'll be, you know, they're, they're not going to. There's, there's at least five teams worse than them, from what I've seen so far. Indeed, the worst thing that that would happen would be if I mean, I mean, I suppose you could say this about a number of teams, um, sort of in the bottom half of the table. But say if Tony was to get an injury and was missing for you know a, a period of what six to eight weeks. Then that that could be damaging, but as you I mean, you could say that about so many other teams. But he, he's a key player for them, definitely. Yeah, I think as you say, you can say that about everybody. If, if Salah gets injured for Liverpool, yeah, well, you know we'll be mid table. Yeah, no hats hats off to Brentford. They were they were fantastic, and maybe you can not be a Liverpool fan for myself aside. It was a hell of a game to watch, um, and yeah, fair play to Brentford for making it. We'll come on to today's games. Um, Southampton, Wolves, 1-0. Good to see Jimenez back on the score sheet, Simon. Um, much to talk about in this game, or was it just one of those games? I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty poor game. The first half was, was really, really bad off, off for me. Um, yeah, like you said, Jimenez scoring, that, that'll do, obviously, him and that team the world of good. And it was... A, Really decent goal as well. I mean, it's probably the one bit of quality play from an attacking player that you saw in the game. He absolutely bullied. I think Bednarak was off the ball, 
then a um, little sidestep to be the defender, put Ben Rack on his ass again, and then a nice little finish into the bottom corner. And I, I just think they the first three games of the season, Wolves created obviously quite a lot of chances, but didn't score in them. And I think just getting Jimenez off the mark, I think it'll just be massive. You know, it, it, I think we've all been fairly. Uh, quite positive about Jimenez before obviously he got his injury I think we all sort of agree that he's been a very very decent striker so it's just nice to see him get back on the score sheet and from Wolves point of view you'd hope it'll be the kickstart to their season and it might be uh, might just be unfortunate for Dave that Jimenez has got cut himself off the mark before next weekend well, it's inevitable, isn't it? First, if he hadn't done it this week, if he, if he hadn't done it this week, he would definitely do it next week. So, I'm pleased he's got our good system. Um, it, this was a real turgid game of football between, you know, Southampton don't look like they're ever going to score a goal. Um, or certainly they didn't today. Adams and Armstrong are quite similar, really. They're not. I don't think they're um, particularly. You know, like a Danny Ings type, which is obviously what they're, what they're trying to replace. They're, they're both kind of second second strikers. Um, so that, that wasn't great for them. And they're, they're still throwing on Shane Long to try and get them points, which I was amazed he was still there. Like, yeah, I would have thought he was he was long gone by now, but obviously not. Um, so I, I've, I've got quite a lot of concerns about Southampton, to be honest. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're, if they're in the mix to go down. Um, they are another team I haven't won yet. Um, only scored four goals. All right, they haven't shipped that, as many, and they played really well last week in the Man City. But um, I just don't. I, I look at them and, and they look like a a toothless team um, with a few championship players in there, particularly in defence. Like you say, Jimenez took a goal well, but to come from a Wolves, a Southampton attack where the goalkeeper was caught the ball. It's, it's not even a quick distribution. Like he's, he's weirded, and then he's hoofed it downfield. Um, Jimenez is, uh, you know, totally beast of Bednarek, which Bednarek was disappointed. The other defender, he hasn't had to do anything other than, whilst cutting inside, the other defender was already running in one direction and couldn't stop himself. I was like, right, okay. So he's fallen down. The other one's fallen down. And he's put the bottom corner, and you think, well. That's your, if that's your standard of defending, then good luck. Well, what you would, what I would say is that um, Livramento, who plays right back for Southampton, looks very, very good. Um, and I think I think he's another one of these failed Chelsea academy fullbacks, um, who's obviously been picked off by another Premier League club, and I, I think he will do well for them. But uh, outside of that, and obviously Ward Prowse and his set pieces, they haven't got an awful lot. Yeah, no, I think that's completely fair. Um, I think we spoke about that more than I was expecting to after seeing the result. <laughs> It'll be an interesting few weeks for both teams. Both are just looking so hot and cold. They'll look good. I mean, the results will be great for either team, but you know, the, the performances have been kind of up and down. Um, coming on to the, 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 the next game, the last game of the, the day, the last one we'll cover. Arsenal 3, Spurs 1. Like Spurs are just Spurs, really, aren't they? This is just like the, the cliche has kind of just taken taken over completely, Dave. Yes, I mean the only thing funny that the only thing funny than Arsenal being terrible is Tottenham being terrible. So, um, 
I mean, let's be honest. Let's get the good stuff out of the way first. Arsenal um, were brilliant and did and played exactly the way Arsenal should be playing, which is they've got Smith Rowe, Odegaard, Saka, and Aubameyang at the right end of the pitch in the right positions, playing quick one-two touch football and obviously you know, scoring three three goals very quickly from it. Um, Tottenham, on the other hand, ambled around the pitch, um, never really got close to to Arsenal. Um, kind of thought, well, we'll get the ball to Harry Kane and we'll flip it out from there. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, Harry Kane is nowhere near the level he should be at um, and just isn't performing. And I think he lost the ball for the third goal. To be fair, he raced back 60 yards to try and stop it and then still didn't. So um, when it's not going for you, it's really not going for you. Um, we said it's a few weeks ago, but I don't really think that Nuno has the right style of player for the players he's inherited at Tottenham, um, and I don't think it's a good fit whatsoever. I wonder if he was expecting Kane to leave, and then he could have gone off and bought whoever he wants to build his team around with quite a bit of money. I would have thought. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not writing them off after six games, but um, I just don't think it works the way Nuno plays and the way Tottenham want to play. doesn't seem to marry up for me. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, the, I mean, I'll let you speak about the game in general, boss, but go go straight on to Dave's point there about Nuno maybe expecting Kane to leave because I, I think that's very accurate. I think he was almost, I think maybe even Daniel Levy was looking, expecting Kane to go like, City to fork up the, like he was very open from the beginning how much money it was going to take so you know it wasn't like oh he's not for sale like there was a set set amount and I, I think they were really looking at you know almost a rebuild and that's maybe what Nuno was expecting when he took over yeah I mean the whole sort of Harry Kane situation I think in Tottenham have really got played this one wrong I mean you've got a player he just clearly doesn't want to be there. And I don't really see what what value they've they've got by 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 keeping him there. And as you, as they sort of saying there, you've now got a manager who's got a bunch of players that they don't suit how how he would want to play football. But I mean the whole thing with their managerial search was a mess anyway, wasn't it? I mean Nuno was no by nowhere near their first choice at all. I think but the half the managers in Europe turned them down. So I don't I don't think that they really knew what they were doing and whether they've just sort of panicked and got a manager who was available anyway and just thought, well hopefully it will all fall into place and I mean yeah, like Dave said they no, they're gonna write them off too soon because you know they did win their first three games of the season, but you kind of you're looking at them the last the last three Premier League games three defeats in a row with conceding three goals in each game, and just the way the way they approached it today. I mean, last week against Chelsea, I thought in the first half they they were quite decent. They they really pressed quite high from the front, and so I don't know why why you would just then completely change your tactics for this game because especially as we all kind of know about Arsenal there's one team that you want to try and get at from the start and get the crowd to turn it's Arsenal so 
really, really strange um, game plan from Tottenham today. And as I said, the, the whole situation with Kane, I mean, you just you look at his performances for Tottenham so far this season and the three games he played with England, he, he's a completely different player. Now, obviously, I think he's playing with much better players in the England team than he is in, that, in this Tottenham team. But this, for me, there's a difference in those performances between someone who's happy playing and someone who's unhappy playing when he's at Tottenham. Yeah, completely. Um, I, I do think he'll probably be playing with a bit of sulk. I think he was expecting the, the Man City move himself. Um, just on just on Nuno, just in general, Obviously, this is a big. Obviously, Spurs fans won't want to lose that, especially in the manner that they've lost it. Do you envision any pressure coming on them, bearing in mind that the club didn't want them, the fans didn't seem to really want them either? Um, I, don't, I think even in the wins, the fans were kind of bitching and moaning about like the, the style of play that they had. Because yeah, I think they were three one the wins the open way, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you? How much patience do you reckon Spurs fans and We'll, we'll have in you know, as I say, not really wanting them in the, in the first place, Dave. Um, I think they'll, I think they'll probably give them until. I think the board will give them as long as at least the season, but I think the fans will probably start to turn um, around Christmas because there's an awful lot of games around then, and if they're on a poor run of form, I can see them, you know, starting to vent their spray a little bit. Um, like you say, they, they won their first three, so we know they've got that in them. But only scored four goals in six games. Yeah. Um, it's it's not it's not like them. Um, with Kane and, Kane and Son were getting up, you know, between themselves in it every week, pretty much uh, last season, and, and now the you know there, there doesn't seem to be any partnership whatsoever there at the moment. Um, I thought it was quite telling as well that over the summer, you know, Nuno didn't speak to Kane at all, according yeah. to him, until. Until it was necessary, basically. Um, so you just wonder how how happy it is behind the scenes and things. Well, obviously we don't really know, but um, it's a bit of a mess to be honest. Because do you back Kane, who's openly said he wants to go more or less, um, and probably you know will go, I imagine at some point, uh, or do you back you know the manager who's only just been appointed and will presumably be there for a couple of years at least? Yeah. I think the only way surely that you could back Kane in this is if he agrees to sign a new contract. Surely. You can't back him just now. I know he's got two, three years left in his deal. Um, but ultimately, as you mentioned, Dave, look, he's, he's openly said that he really, well, not in so many words, but he's he's looking to go and he's, he's wanting that, you know, the Man City money move, let's be honest. Um but it does become certain. I think you mentioned it last week, Dave, though, when I was saying about Kane's form and that he obviously always, bar one season, starts, you know, fairly sluggish and fairly quiet. So, I mean, we could we could put it down to that, I guess. Yeah, we could do. But, um, I mean, he's been playing the um, the Europa League games, whatever, in, whatever there is there in. So, he's, he's certainly trying to pick up some minutes to, to get himself going. But... Uh, even the chance he missed today, like it was a chance that he would never miss normally. It just seemed like lack of concentration. I don't know. It's um, it's not like him. 
Tottenham generally seem a bit off colour. Um, they've got problems everywhere. You know, the, the defence was pretty shambolic again today. Um, they don't seem to know what their best midfield is. That, I mean, and Dombele was out in his ear, and now all of a sudden he's starting consecutive games. Um, Deli Ali is all of a sudden back on the scene, despite you know he doesn't look anywhere near the type of the, the, the talent he was at a few years ago. Um, Oliver Skip, Harry Winks, they got a you know they really midfielders who are going to come in and make you a top six team. Pro- probably not. So they've got a lot of things to figure out. Yeah, Simon. I mean, flattering thoughts on on where how sports can change this and and yeah, let's. I mean. Again, back to Dave's original point. Let's let's give Arsenal their due here as well. They were they really were exciting. Uh, yeah, well, just a quick point on Spurs. Hopefully, they they don't change it for next week because uh, <laughs> I, I'd quite like them to to perform like they did today when we go to to their ground next Sunday. Um, but on Arsenal, yeah, I mean, I've seen very very poor starts for the season. Won their last three games in a row. Now, I mean, I've I think it's what was it Burnley and Norwich before today. So yeah, I, I think they it was important for them to, to get this win today because I think what was it going into the last international break they were bottom of the table with no points and Tottenham were top and now three games later they've overtaken Tottenham. So <laughs> I think to um, to to certainly get for Arteta to get himself back. On side and mate, in the eyes of the Arsenal fans, I think it was an important win today. And look, I mean, Spurs were dreadful, but Arsenal were very good, especially in that first half. And when they went one nil up, they didn't sort of try and sit back on it or anything. They 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 sensed blood and they they could see that that Tottenham just weren't up for it and weren't at it today, and they just went and absolutely demolished them. So credit where it's due. I mean, I know we all love. Laughing at Arsenal and having a joke, but you, you you've got to give them credit where where it's due, and that they they played really well today. Yeah, I'm going to go out and allow and say they've secured their Premier League safety for next season. <laughs> Just I think, about. I think they might be okay now. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's been a tough 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 old month for them, but um, unfortunately, my relegation dreams of Arsenal have um, have gone. <laughs> um, um, but anyway, Travis, that brings us to the end of the games that have been played. Um, obviously, one more game left to play, so I'll get a quick prediction from yourselves. Dave, I'll come to you first on Crystal Palace at home at Brighton. How do you see this one going? Uh, I think Brighton will win and they'll go top of the table and that'll be quite the turnaround for them. So I'm going to go Brighton 2-1. And Simon, what about yourself? Uh, I... I think I think it's actually could be quite a decent game to be fair. Um I'm gonna go two two. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna join Dave in the, the Brighton win. I'm gonna go two 0 win. Um Brighton to go top of the league and Shane Duffy to score twice because I'm <laughs> my, my my fantasy league to get decent points. So yeah, let's go with it that and Brighton to be top of the league would be well deserved for uh, Graham Potter. He's just <laughs> I'm just such a fan of how he had Brighton playing last year. Obviously, the Brian Potter's the manager. I think Tottenham should have gone for. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair shout. I think Tottenham fans were actually scoffing at the idea um, last year, um, and I, I found it very strange because I, I thought 
anybody in the top eight, nine should have been looking at Potter as a manager, especially a team who wanted to play to play football. That should have been if they were going to look for anyone. Um, I think if Arsenal had gotten rid of Arteta, I think Potter would have been ideal for that as well. Um, but hopefully he stays at Brighton and, and continues on the, the path that he's going. Um, but that'll be the end of that, chaps. Did we do our Super 6 for this week? Yep. Um, I have not checked how I got on. How did you boys do? Uh, I got six points for the weekend just gone. Dave had an absolute storming week. Grief. Just seen there. Yeah. Should have won, should have won two hundred and fifty grand, really, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, won it this this week. How do how do you find your, your predictions? Uh, pre- I don't know how to find the actual predictions for it. Although, uh, <laughs> clicking your name in the rounds. Oh, so I see, right. Three correct scores you got, Dave. Bang on. Thanks. What a time to be alive. Oh. <laughs> that was good. All right, well, I better play this week then. Yes, so currently... Tuesday night, nonsense. Yeah, yeah, it's nonsense. So currently the league table stands, Dave on top with 62 points. I am in second on 51. Simon in third on 47. Ross on his token 10, obviously gave up after week two. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe week three, depending on how it went. So yes, it is Tuesday nights. We'll just go over our predictions anyway, just while we're, we're on. Can't. Can't predict the Saturday ones just yet. Uh, Simon, have you done yours, or are you doing it as we speak? I've done mine. I'm prepared. Yeah. Right, so... Oh, there's a few predictions. That's what I'm doing. Duh. <laughs> right, so first up, we have PSG versus Man City. Simon, who have you went for? I've gone for an entertaining 2-2 draw. Yep, same for me. And Dave, for you? I've gone Man City 3-1. 3-1. Just quickly on that, I know we don't really discuss other football. The message signing is not really working out too great for PSG at the moment, is it? I mean, they, we talk about Man United being like, you know, 11 <laughs> individuals. PSG, Michael, it's like, it's honestly, it's like they've never met. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Um, next up, we have FC Porto at home to Liverpool, Dave. What have you got? Uh, I've gone 2 0 to Liverpool. Uh, Simon? I've gone 2-1 Liverpool. Uh, I have gone 3-1. So that's the end of the Champions League ones. Now we have the the Skybet Championship. Uh, Cardiff at home to West Brom, Simon? 2-1 West Brom. Uh, Same for myself. And is that it, Dave? I've gone 1-0 West Brom. It's it's a good sign that we're all in the right way. (laughs) Cardiff is clearly winning that one. (laughs) (laughs) Next up we have Middlesbrough at home to Sheffield United, Dave. Uh, I've gone for 1-1. One, one. And so have I. Uh, Simon, for yourself? I've gone 2-0 Middlesbrough. No borough. Uh, next up, we have QPR at home to Birmingham, Simon. 2-0 QPR. Come on, QPR. <laughs> I have the same as well. Uh, I feel you'll maybe have a bit more biased pick. <laughs> uh, I've got 3-1 th- QPR. 3-1 QPR. And lastly, we have... Preston North End, who I believe are Liverpool's next Carabao Cup opponents, um, at home to Stoke City, Dave. Yeah, I'm Stoke to win 1-0. Uh, Simon? I've done the exact same thing, 1-0 Stoke. 
And I have gone the opposite. I have went one no Preston. Purely so that when Liverpool beat them in the Carabao Cup, I could big them up how good a team they were. <laughs> 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 um, but that brings us to the end of the of the nonsense. Uh, Simon, let everyone know where they can find you and what you're working on. Uh, so, yes, on Twitter at Sire Regan and for Villa fans, the Holtcast podcast and the website for that is 7500toholt.com. And Dave? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at cm9798. The website is cm9798.co.uk. Uh, and I'll be on Twitch on Thursday night for Tony Jameson's Thursday Night Fancy Football. Excellent, excellent. And you can find us at Man the Post on all your social media platforms. Um, Chris and the gang will be out every Friday with the preview of the games that we will review and all the other Japanese League and Indian things. <laughs> Wherever there's football, Chris will find it. <laughs> so make sure you check them out. We will be back next week as again reviewing all the all the league fixtures. Um and obviously if any talking points come up, we will talk random nonsense as we go. Anyway, chaps, thank you very much for joining me as always. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you at home for listening. And always remember, keep your man in the post.